Welcome to another episode of the Property Nomad podcast. And we are, of course, in our Women in Business series at the moment. We've had some great guests on and our guest today is absolutely fantastic. Very inspirational for a multitude of reasons. And we'll get into that a bit later on. But this particular individual is Italian, decided to move country, move over to England back in 2013 has a corporate background in terms of IT, working for Hewlett Packard, uh, but recently uh, changed all of that to start working on her own property sourcing business, which is situated up in the northeast of England. Really excited to have this guest on today, purely because of the relocating country. Uh, many people are scared to even move an hour down the road, uh, let alone move to a completely different country as well. And I found that inspirational and she's done some great things in property, uh, great things in life as well. So without any further ado, uh, Flora Russo, thank you very much for your time today. Hi Rob, hi everyone. Thank you so much for having me today and what a great introduction. Thank you for that. I can't wait to share my story with you. Uh, absolutely, and that, that sort of traveling aspect at the start, let, let's start there. So you are, Italian, and you are from Milan, which is uh, in the north of Italy, and you then decided, um, voluntarily decided to move to England. So, explain uh, explain that process to us. Why why did you decide to do that? That's a very good question. So. Um... Is absolutely correct what you said. So I remember I came to the UK the first time when I was 17 and I came to London and I just felt in love with the city. It was something that I haven't seen before in Italy, despite I come from Milan, there's still a big city, but the vibe, the energy, the, the people, the multicultural that you find here was something new for me. And I just uh, said, you know, one day I will live here. And then one day arrived 10 years after that, that first trip in the UK. And um, my passion for this country was so big that when I was working for Hewlett Packard, as you mentioned, um, I heard from my boss that he was building a new team in the UK. So my first thought was, uh, well, I can actually ask to be relocated. Why not? And realize one of my biggest dreams in life. And that's what exactly happened. It took me more than 12 months because the relocation process got frozen for different reasons. You know, when you work for big American companies, everything can happen. Um, but I didn't give up. I it was uh, it was such a strong you know desire for me that I made it happen. So as you mentioned, in 2013, I finally moved here. And you know, Rob, I didn't really move to London to start with. I moved to a uh, place called Bracknell. You're probably familiar with it. And uh, the reason why was uh, that the office was uh, based there. And uh, I wanted to be close to the office. And for me, Bracknell was the most amazing place in the world just because it was in the UK. I remember I, I rented out a room above a pub. It was tiny, really tiny. And I was looking outside the window and I was like, I made it. I'm so happy and I'm so proud of myself. These, you know, from now on, everything can just go right. 
No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. I'm. I'm originally. I'm from Reading, um, and I've. I've never oh. heard anyone be so excited about Bracknell. But that's just a very <laughs> Reading. Reading thing. Um, I think if you're from. If you're from that area, uh, you know. If you think of Slough, and people go, "Oh dear, oh my God, not Slough." And then yeah, Bracknell is very. Um, yeah, but that's from a Reading point of view. But I, I love your context there. That for you, that was. You know that was sort of your dream come true, and and you're over there. But yeah, sorry to interject. I've just never heard anyone talk so positively of, of Bracknell before. That's because you know it is what it is. <laughs> I know. I actually moved to Reading as well. So after Bracknell, I decided to move to Reading, and I stayed there for eighteen months. So maybe we met each other, but we don't know. <laughs> where where in Reading did you go? So, well, I, I moved to a couple of different places, but I was living very close to the station um, that got regenerated uh, as well, you know, these uh, already. Uh, and then I was actually uh, spending my time doing an English course as well, because despite I said that, you know, I was really excited and happy to move here, um, I had some big challenges. And one of them, of course, was the language, because, you know, um, Italian people are quite lazy, and I was one of them. We keep saying, oh, we should learn English because it's very important in our lives, but we never do. And that was actually one of the reasons why I decided to move, because I kind of forced myself to do it. So I had no excuses, because if I wanted to talk and co communicate to people, I had to do it in English, because no one was uh, speaking Italian here. So, yeah, language and then, of course, the culture. You know, I moved alone, um, no family, no friends. Um, so it was a bit of a shock to the system, I would say. But as I, as I say, it was such a big deal for me to be here that that overcome all of my fears and the challenges. I was so determined to stay here and to make it work that that didn't really had a huge impact on myself and uh, on my mental health, I would say. So just so just so I've got this completely clear and I did, uh, on, on that, um, say that Italian people are lazy with languages, I'll hold up my hands up. I think English people are much better anyway. Uh, I think we're very, <laughs> as, as, a, as a people, and I'm being very stereotypical here, I think we're quite arrogant with language because we know that, okay, maybe with the exception of Mandarin, um, you know, English is the is the business language of the world. So I think in, from an English point of view, we kind of have this expectation that people are to speak English and nothing else. So don't, don't worry about Italians being lazy with their languages. I think English are not much better. We're quite arrogant because um, it's the, the lingua franca, as, as they say. Um, well, I just made a note here. Um, to me, that sounds like you, you enjoy making yourself uncomfortable in a good way because that helps to push you to achieve what it is you want to achieve. And again, it's one of the reasons why yeah, it's great to have you on the show because it's a lot of this is a mental aspect and you really enjoy pushing boundaries. Is that a fair thing to say? Is absolutely fair to say. Yes, that's uh, exactly me. Boundary pushing. We'll come on to the property in a little bit as well. But do you think that you would have had the, the passion to want to move to the UK if you hadn't have visited 
when you were 17? Do you think if you hadn't visited that your life now would be a bit different? I think so. I mean, for me, that trip was uh, the trigger. So if I was not coming here, I was, you know, I, I didn't have a, an idea about the city and about the country. So I couldn't have known that I would have loved it. So that trip was actually the trigger, definitely. Wonderful. So started in Bracknell, gone to Reading. And where, where did life in the UK take you from Reading? What did you do after that? I moved to London because despite I loved Reading, um, it became a bit too small for me, you know. Um, it's a little bit what you just said. I, I like to make myself uncomfortable. So um, I became too comfortable there. So same people, same places, same things to do. Um, work was going good. So I thought, well, it's time now to find other challenges. So let's move to London. And that's what I did. And uh, it was one of the best choices that I ever made. But just because, well, I told you I was in love with this city and uh, I'm still in love after seven years. Um, other challenges here, of course, I remember I, I, I had to find a room, you know, to rent. And was like going through a job interview. So I was meeting, you know, um, flatmates in the evening and they were seriously interviewing me like being uh, like uh, I had to find a job. And I found it a very interesting process, you know, because they have to like you. You have to like them. You have to like the house. And London at the time, and I think still now, uh, has such a dynamic rent market that you can't really miss opportunities. Um, so I remember that in order to be able to do as many viewings as possible in the evening, um, I rented a B&B in Twickenham. So from Reading to Twickenham, in order to be closer to Clapham Junction, where I still live now. Nice. Twickenham is a very good area, especially if you like your rugby. It's uh, a very, very good (laughs) area for sure. And... From from there, so you still live in in that area now, which is great. And this is whilst you're still working at Hewlett Packard HP. So, how did property come about? What made you get into the world of property? That's a very good question. So, I I worked for Hewlett Packard for a while, and then I left and I started working for another software company. So, I would say that in total, I've been in the corporate software sales world for ten years. And I will always be grateful for this. I had the opportunity to learn so many skills, meeting amazing people, travel, have fun, and uh, actually earning excellent money as well. But you know when at some point in your life you realize that there is something missing? Um, And for me, what made made me realize that, unfortunately, was the sudden loss of my my dad five years ago. So, you know, when you are a very career-driven person like me, you don't mind working long hours on on a weekend, uh, being under pressure. pressure. I was actually enjoying it. But then, you know, life slaps you in the face and it brings you back to earth saying, hey, you know what? There is something else. Life is not just that. We really have only one shot and we have to make the most out of it. So... I, I, I just realized that, you know, it was just not about the money. 
but it was about enjoying every single moment with the people that I really love. And uh, it was about having a purpose and feeling fulfilled. And I didn't have any of these at the time. And that's why I decided to quit. Quit um, when traveling for a few months just to clear my head and try to understand what was next for me. Where did you go traveling? Uh, I went to Thailand, Vietnam and Australia. Oh, lovely. I've never, never done Australia, but uh, Vietnam is an absolutely fantastic country. I totally agree. I think it was my favorite, if I must say. Yeah. What, what sort of things did you, uh, you see, went to, you went out there to clear your head, obviously a multitude of, of lots of things going on, as you say. What sort of things did you, did you learn about yourself when you were in Vietnam, Thailand and Australia? That's a good question. You know, uh, Vietnam and Australia are beautiful countries, but the, I mean, people are pretty poor there, but you always see a smile on their faces. And just seeing them, you know, and living with them and embracing the culture um, helped me to understand a lot about myself. Um, we always chase something in life, you know, that maybe we already have, but we want more and more and more because of the society we live in, you know, and the culture we come from. And then you see these people and you realize that probably you're missing something. And, and that was it for me. Um, I, I just realized that there was much more than what I had before. Totally, totally understand that. I do think traveling, it, it does open the mind. And what you've just said about Vietnam is incredible. Because I think for people that have not had the ability to travel before or have not experienced places such as Vietnam or Latin America or anything like that, the, the point that you made about the fact that people, in comparison to you know, us here in the UK, people are relatively a lot poorer. Yes, absolutely. They don't have as many material things as you know the majority of us over here. But as you said, they are walking, most of them, if not all of them, are walking around with massive smiles on their faces. And they, they're some of the happiest people you know that I've ever seen as well. So... I think if if you haven't if you listen to this and you haven't travelled, obviously pandemic and COVID pending, blah blah blah. When you get the opportunity, do go out and do it. But if you have already done some form of travelling, then hopefully what Flora's just said it completely resonates with you because yeah, it, it sounds like to me, Flora, it sounds like that was a, a turning point for you as well. Once you had seen this and discovered that, you realised that there was a a lot more to life and then you wanted to push those boundaries and to get some different things working for you is that correct it is correct yes it's uh, it is exactly what happened and and then if uh, if i can add this as well when i went to australia um i met a couple of friends who used to live in the uk and then moved there and uh, well they actually used to live in edinburgh not in the UK, and uh, they mentioned that they were renting out their flat and they were getting the rent every month. And that was totally passive for them. And this was what actually intrigued me uh, with, you know, finding out more about property investing. 
just a simple right. conversation with them doing this. That, that's phenomenal. That, that's amazing. It's always the, the little things like that that can have trigger the biggest of, of movements. So was that another light bulb moment for you when these, these people were saying, oh, yeah, we just get a thousand pound a month and we don't have to do anything? Did, did that set off a light bulb in your head and went, oh, I want to get involved in this? Yes, definitely. And I remember it so well, Rob, when I came back to the UK, I was so excited about that conversation that I thought, okay, I'm going to buy a flat in Edinburgh. <laughs> and then I actually realized that was very expensive. So it was probably not the right way of doing it. And I'm glad I didn't. But, you know, that helped me because I, I, I started, you know, digging in a bit more. So I attended a few free webinars. Uh, the majority of them were actually, um, sorry, seminars actually, because they were live. So some of them were actually about mindset and self-development. But in all of them, they were talking about um, creative passive income through profit investing. So, you know, I became more and more and more and more uh, interested in it. And uh, then I read a book that I'm pretty sure you read as well. That was Rich Dad and Poor Dad. And that absolutely changed my life. Uh, yes, uh, that that is a book I think that most yes. most property people will will say that they read, and it gave them that epiphany of, "Wow, this is incredible! I must have some of this." Yes, correct. I mean, the idea of creating a property, you know, property business and live out of a passive income of, uh, and and have the freedom of choosing how to spend my time um to, to do what and what and with who was was very appealing to me um and that's where everything started to be honest in terms of where where you are now you obviously do a multitude of things within property uh, i would ask how that felt to get started but i get the impression that it doesn't matter who says what to you or what things happen to you that you've got such a positive mentality and you just, you just wanted to do it, so you've just learned from people and, and you've just gone out and done it and made yourself uncomfortable. So I imagine you embraced this challenge 100%. Yes, that's correct. Also because uh, um, you have to imagine that I still didn't have a job when I started the property business. So that was really challenging because, you know, I still had bills to pay to pay. In the meantime, I decided to buy my, my, my flat in London as well. So, you know, the, the bills were actually quite high. Um, and with no job, the stress was quite, the level of stress, stress was high as well. Um, but yeah, I, that was actually the reason that pushed me um, to do it even more and to make it work. So, you know, when um, you, you need to set up your goals, you need, you need to have your why in mind, that was my biggest why, was make it work because I didn't want it to find another job anymore. I didn't want it to work for any other corporate companies in my life. Yeah, having the why is incredibly important. Absolutely. And obviously we're on podcast here, so not able to see it. But I had noticed when we were speaking off, off air as such, that you do have that board right behind where you're sitting. You've got a lot of different images and things on there. Can you just explain to people a, a couple of the things that you've got on, on that vision board of yours? Oh, of course. I actually keep it 
in in my uh, I can't call it office because it's my living room but yeah definitely so there are actually the pictures of the people that I love so essentially it's my family and a few friends um because you know for me it's about spending the time with them and dedicating it to to them essentially and then there are a few pictures of uh, some trips that I want to do um, one of them was actually Central and South America that I managed somehow to squeeze in last year, although was cut short because of COVID. Um, and then I've got a floor plan of my next flat in London. So it's exactly how I want it to be. And then I've got a lot of motivational um, quotes, like, uh, doesn't help quick no matter how hard it is, I'm going to make it. Be self-disciplined. Do whatever it takes. If your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. Patience engaging consistent actions. I'm going to make it happen because it's possible. All of these kind of quotes that actually helps me to keep pushing. And those, those things are really important as well. And Flora, I just want to touch on something that you highlighted uh, as well at, at the start. And as you said, English isn't your first language. Uh, Italian, obviously, is. So when when you you read those phrases, obviously you've got a, a great understanding of them. But do you think that the language has been a barrier to you at all, or is it something that you've you've now just got so used to that it's almost become second nature? It has been a barrier at the beginning, for sure. I mean, I remember when I moved here, I couldn't really understand what people were telling me when they were talking to me. But there as well, I was constantly going out and meeting, you know, new friends because I had to force myself to talk. And then, as I mentioned before, I just went for this uh, language course. That was just a month, to be honest. And uh, and that was it. So that helped. But then it was just surrounding myself with actually people speaking the language. So I don't have any Italian friends in in the UK. Um, apart of a few people that I met through properties recently, but uh, I can't say I have Italian friends. So I'm not the person who you know moved to a different countries and then create the community that maybe have in Italy. <laughs> um, and the reason why I was actually to force myself to speak and learn. So yes, the language has been a, an issue um, work-wise as well. And when I did some property trainings, because of course my uh, vocabulary uh, was not um, developed enough, you know? Uh, every single topic has, has different words, you know, coming with it. So I, I had to learn on the spot. Um, but that's the way it was, and that's the way it still is. and. Uh, it's fine. It's still, I mean, it's much better than it was before. And I'm pretty sure I can improve even more. Absolutely. Every day is a new day to, to get better. And as I always say, you know, your English is going to be better than my Italian. And in fact, your English is probably better than my English because half the time I completely have no idea of the words that are going to come out of my mouth. So <laughs> don't <laughs> don't worry about that at all. The thing that I'm also laughing about, I guess, in, in the background is, if you're not familiar with 
yeah, if you were struggling to understand people in the first place, uh, like Reading, Bracknell, I like to think that our accent in that area is okay. We don't speak too fast. We don't speak too slow. I like to think we're quite clear. But then you've ended up sourcing up in the Northeast. And I know a lot of people, English people, that will struggle to understand that people from people from Newcastle, Sunderland, Middlesbrough area. So how did you adapt to that accent? Because that's quite a strong accent up there. Um, have you learned any local slang or is it just a case of getting used to it? That's a great point, Rob. And you actually made me smile when you were uh, when you were saying that. Um, I remember that uh, my first trip to Newcastle was a couple of months after I've decided to start this uh, property adventure because I'm the kind of person that, you know, does a lot of researches and then I have to be in action. So I book a train ticket. I went there and then I realized that I couldn't understand a word about what people were telling me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, good. So probably I have to be back in a classroom now and learn another language. <laughs> Um, it kind of happened with time. So um, when I was talking on the phone with agents, for example, I was always asking them to send me an email or, or I actually was sending them an email to confirm that I understood correctly what they were telling me. Um, and same with all the people that I was meeting up there. But I, I can tell you some funny stories. I mean, I had conversation with people on the streets because people are very familiar up there and I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. So I was just smiling, you know, and being nice, but seriously, no clue about what they were talking about. <laughs> uh, I love it. I, I, I sometimes do the same if, if ever I'm up there. I just smile, nod, and make, make yourself look nice and then <laughs> sort of walk away going, I literally have no idea what you've just said. Uh, so <laughs> I can completely understand where you're coming from with that. In, in terms of... I, I'm just going to keep on the language aspect for now, purely because you're dealing with sourcing, which I'm sure people listening to this are very familiar with property sourcing. There's a lot of technical language in property sourcing anyway, and there's a lot of different elements, a lot of different people to try and put together. So again, was that just something that you just got used to, or have you had any in particular challenges with putting all the elements of sourcing together at all that's a good question so i actually decided to uh, go for a training as well um sourcing wise so i was absolutely sure about what i was doing and that what i was doing was actually uh, correct um for me is much easier to talk about technical things because that's what it is. I mean, if it's a technical term, that's what it is. Also, when I was working in the IT, you know, for me, it was much easier to talk about business than telling you what I had for dinner, because that's when I have to be more creative and come up actually with words that are not work related. Does it make sense? 100 percent. Yeah. So I found it much, much easier because when you when you learn that words that's it so in your business i mean but then when you have to tell someone your story the story of your life that's where i found some challenges yes definitely on social media this is how we know each other anyway you're very good at documenting you know your journey story this is what you're doing this is how you're doing it uh, have you found that that's been a great way to grow your database 
and improve your business? Yes, so social media are crucial uh, nowadays um, if you are in business. So I got a lot of clients, sourcing clients through my social media. And uh, well, when we were allowed through networking as well, so live events that are actually my favorite. I remember I was really active when I started. I was out like four evenings a week, uh, just doing, attending different networking events, um, just to meet new people, you know, and see if uh, um, there was any business opportunity there. And also, because I'm a property investor myself as well, you know that as well, social media is a great way to raise funds too, um, especially now that we can't really interact with anyone, uh, we have to rely on social media. So documenting the journey, telling everyone what I do, showing them that I'm on the ground and I know what I'm talking about is really important to create this relationship. When you were getting started in terms of being in the Northeast, did you, do you think that people were taking you seriously? And what I mean by that is that I can imagine you know, a, a typical estate agent, they're sitting there doing what they're doing. Someone walks in who's, you know, although you're living in England at the time, you know, you're Italian, you're trying to source property or get property. Do you think people were taking you seriously? Do you think people were thinking that you might have been a time waster? And if so, how did you prove them wrong? Yes, so absolutely correct. They they thought I was a time waster because, you know, they see so many people uh, like me. And as you mentioned, not being uh, from the country from here uh, makes things even worse. <laughs> so I, I just proved myself, you know, constantly going there, constantly seeing them, pestering them with emails, phone calls and letting them understand that I was in, on the market looking to buy properties and I was not going anywhere until I was buying them. And then, you know, that was one of the the way that I used to build relationships. So just going to the office, sitting down, having a chat with them, uh, trying to find some common ground, you know, because I I do agree with what you said, but sometimes being from a different country can actually uh, start a conversation because you can actually ask, have you been to Italy? Where about? So you can kind of break the eyes as well, you know? So it's a good way. It's a good skill to use, I would say. Um, and then, of course, when I bought my first one, I can actually prove them that I was actually taking actions. So you buy one, you buy two, you buy three, and then they really understand that, that you're a serious person. Now, that said, um, you know, estate agents work with so many investors that, it's true that building is, I mean, it's true that building relationship is very important, but sometimes it's not just about that, it's about what is more convenient to them. So I still have agents that send me houses that I will never look at, you know, and maybe I bought three or four from them and I don't get it, but I just realized that maybe some people are lazy and, you know, it takes too much of doing your job in a, in a, in a better way. So... They just stay average. I call them average people offering an average service. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to distinguish who is good and, and who is bad. And I, I love the fact there, and it, this is something with every good entrepreneur or entrepreneuress on this occasion, it's the way that things are interpreted and how you 
use them to your advantage. So turning what a lot of people might think is a negative into a positive, and that to me is what distinguishes, you know, great people from good people. Yes, totally agree. How is sourcing at the moment? Obviously, I've gone through pandemics and, and, and bits and pieces, and, and again, just going back to what we've just said, a lot of people are using it as a good excuse to do whatever. But y- yourself, you're very active in, in last year. Uh, what does the future look like for you? Is it Are you going to continue looking at sourcing or are there other property related things or even non-property related businesses that you are looking to get into moving forward? Yeah, so sourcing last year actually went really well despite the pandemic and despite the fact that I was not even in the country. So that was a that was a great achievement. So for this year, I raised the bar even higher. Uh, we had a slow start of the year, but because of the nature of the market, um, there is so little stock available and so many people buying that um, we're not we're not getting the quantity of deals that we were last year. But I mean, we have to wait, still doing our job, still viewing, still put offers out, and then see what what was going to happen. So yes, the goal for the year is actually keep sourcing. Uh, I've got clients are sending me messages every day. Have you got anything from me? Have you got anything new? I'm still looking. So I feel like um, it, it's a good feeling, you know, because you feel the pressure. But at the same time, it's nice to see that people rely on on you and uh, on the relationship that you built. Um, and then, of course, I want to add a few more buy to let to my portfolio as well, because what I didn't do last year actually was focusing on that. So last year, I sourced all the properties that I got accepted. And that made me realize that it's great because I love it, but it's not passive. So I was kind of, uh, you know, losing the focus of uh, why I am in property investing. And that's why this year I want to buy seven by two lets for myself because I have to, I have to be back on track to become more and more passive. Absolutely. And, and that goes with exactly what you were saying earlier on, wasn't it? That, you know, you, you've had that corporate background before when it's a lot of work, you enjoy the pressure, you, you thrive under the pressure and you've done really well. Then you had you know, the bereavement, uh, family bereavement, as you mentioned, a bit of traveling to loosen your mind. And then you realized, well, actually, hang on a minute. I am you know, want to spend more time with friends, family, you know, the, the people that mean a lot to me. And then you've almost seemed to have gone back into, you know, a very corporate approach, you know, because sourcing, you know, it's about the image and, and getting stuff done. As we all know, it's, if you're going to say you're doing something, you've got to talk the talk and walk the walk. And then you've seemed to have had another epiphany, as you've just said, where you're thinking, oh, why did I get into this in the first place? Oh, yeah, it's to be passive. Therefore, I need to keep some of this for myself and, and do this. So with all of that being said, is there a particular number of properties or a number you're aiming for where you can then possibly look to take your foot off the gas? Or are you finding that you've got a good life work balance at the moment? 
I think I got a good uh, work balance life at the moment, uh, to be honest. Uh, so I need uh, these uh, seven now just to feel more comfortable, I would say. But, you know, my strategy is buy to let, buying buy to let and do some flips. And that's what I source as well. So once you know your area very well and you know your numbers is I don't want to say it's an easy thing to do because nothing is easy, especially in property. Well, everything you learn every day, you know, because new things come up every day. Every every deal is, you know, as some hidden parts that we haven't spotted, you know, challenges, issues, but like in any other business, I believe. Um, but, you know, the process is always the same. So I, I don't think that for me buying buy to let in the future will be an issue because as soon as I can check the numbers, I know the area, I just, you know, um, ask my team to work like in terms of solicitor, surveyor, put everyone together. And then I don't really have to do that much. That's quite passive to me, I think, because the process, you just repeat the process that you have learned Absolutely, at one hundred percent, it is once once you've done well as you know, obviously from from doing multiple deals. Anyway, once once you've done one, and people understand the systems, the processes, you know your numbers, you know your area. It is a relatively straightforward thing to build up. You've just got to be, as you say, you've got to be consistent. You've got to have that great attitude as well, and you know that that's absolutely superb. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of tips there for, for people uh, wanting to become successful, not just in property, but I think in life in general, uh, especially with your wonderful attitude that you have and the, the way that you think. I think that's a, a key thing for, for many people. Uh, it's very important. Thank you, Rob. I also think that knowing myself, I will probably get bored. <laughs> so I will be looking for a new challenge, but you know, let's wait. I'm good for now, so let's wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, Flora, if you had to give advice to yourself, uh, and I'm just going to focus on the property when I say this, not necessarily HP. Let's just focus on property. It, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to yourself to, for when you were starting out in property? That's a very great question. So based on my experience, I would probably not recommend myself to start a property career without having a job. And the reason why is that despite I said before that was actually what was pushing me to make it work, I didn't realize that I could have had some difficulties with getting mortgages, for example. Um, so I got lucky because I got people around me that I trust and they trust me. So there is a solution for everything, but maybe if you are alone and you are not in the position of relying on people, um, it could be a bit tricky and also, you know, can have an effect on, on your, I mean, a mental uh, effect on your, your mental health, I believe. Uh, because you know you're like you're stretching yourself too much, um, so maybe having a job on the side will make make you feel psychologically safer. I would say. 
Okay, that's a, that's a great top tip, absolutely. Uh, would there yeah. be anything else that you would say to yourself? Oh, definitely. Well, I I got educated and for me was uh, absolutely important because I didn't have a clue about how to buy a house here. You know, it's not my country, different regulation, as we said before as well, language barriers. Um, and also, you know, doing trainings gave me the opportunity to come across great people um, that I'm still in contact with and people you can learn from and you can ask help to. Um, you have to be consistent. Of course, it's not easy. So the, the, the trick is taking baby steps every day towards your dream life. Um, and that's that's what it is. So have, having a big goal is good, but then you have to break it down in uh, small actions and you have to work on them every single day. Um, another good advice is, yes, ask for help. Again, maybe an accountability partner. I was struggling a little bit with accountability, but just because, you know, I always work for someone else. So essentially I had a boss telling me what to do and then you are your boss. So procrastination was a little bit of an issue at the beginning because you're like, yeah, fine, I've got my goals, but if I don't do this today, I can do it tomorrow. And that's actually wrong. So having someone like an accountability partner who can keep you on track is really important. I still have it and uh, is, is really one of the most important person in my life. And, uh, and then do what, what you feel is right, because otherwise you regret it forever, you know? Um, give it the chance if you think is, uh, is good for you because you never know, it can go wrong, but yes, it can go right as well. So if you don't try, you don't know. And never stop believing in yourself because I'm not, I'm not special. I mean, if I made it work, I'm still not where I want to be, of course, but everyone can. Um, don't compare yourself with anyone else. I, I try not to as well. It's not easy sometimes because we're constantly bombarded, uh, as you said before, from, you know, on from posts on social media or, you know, other people doing much better, but everyone is different. Um, everyone, you know, has different starting points or circumstances are different as well. So it's just important being ourselves and uh, have a clear idea in mind of uh, what we want to achieve and go and get it. Plenty of great things there. And Take, you know, I've been making notes when you're, you're talking as well because I think hearing these things over and over again are, are very important. Flora, I've been asking this throughout this series and because success means different things to different people. What does success mean to you and what does success look like to you? Oh, amazing question. I think it's very related to uh, what we touched before as well. For me, success is uh, that feeling that, you know, you can wake up in the morning and uh, if uh, your mom tells you, you want to spend some time with me, you don't have to think about that you have work. You can just say yes, because that's a moment that you never forget in life, for example. And... Um, Another thing for me is actually giving back. Um, I realized actually recently how important and how makes me feel fulfilled and full of joy giving back to people. So just sharing my 
little experience with someone that maybe is facing some challenges or doesn't know where to start from is so important because we can really give back give back so much value to people we've been there so why keeping everything from us you know and that that's a success for me so giving back helping people spend the time with uh, the people who i love and doing what i love to do that is mainly traveling and laugh with my friends that's it i'm not a material person so i'm not looking for you know five bedroom houses or a fancy car i i'm not that kind of person um i prefer to invest my time and money in experiences that help me grow and uh um, feel better as an individual and um, yeah, as an entrepreneur as well. All all of that is in, is incredibly enlightening. I'm I'm glad that we've you know taken the time or that you definitely took the time to you know appear on on the on this series. It means a lot to you know everyone involved and hopefully there's you know people out there um, that are listening to this that take the action and realise that it doesn't matter. What what your circumstances are, and you know we've had, like I said we've had you know an architect, we've had some you know a woman that's a model, obviously yourself, Flora, you know people that are at different stages. It, it doesn't matter you know what race you are, what sex you are. It's all about what's in your mind and having that positive outcome and your perception of things. So I think anyone can do it, as you've pointed out, Flora. And I think it's been. In, a joy to listen to what you've had to say and the, the fact that you've moved country you just take everything in in your stride very positive and you just crack on and do it and i think that that mentality aspect is is absolutely crucial for anyone listening in on that if people want to get in touch with you obviously you mentioned you do a lot of sourcing up in up in uh, the northeast of england so if people want to get hold of you and find out how to possibly work with you moving forward, how do people get in touch with you? I think probably the easiest way is to contact me on Instagram, just because it's the easiest uh, um, contact and is uh, Flora Russo Property. So you can find me there, send me a message and then we can exchange phone numbers or you can check out my website as well. That is empireresidential.co.uk. Perfect. And as usual, we'll put all those links in the show notes as well. Flora, that's been incredibly entertaining. Do you have any any final words of wisdom for budding entrepreneurs out there? Believe in yourself. Find a way and do it. So ask your, yourself, how can I make it possible? Because it is possible. Wonderful stuff. Well, Flora, it's been absolutely brilliant uh we're going to try my italian and just say uh, grazie prego it's been brilliant for me as well thank you so much for having me